Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Good morning, Ram Nation. We are back with another edition of DNVR Rams Live. Unfortunately, remote today. I am a little bit under the weather. Didn't want to expose the rest of the office, so we're uh, we're calling an audible we're going remote but excited to talk about a big game this weekend bowl eligibility on the line dre how you doing got the nuggets hat on as well great minds think alike that's right yeah big win that was fun last night you'll have some college hoops to talk about now as well and uh we appreciate you not getting the office sick i think that's good vibes these final three games you don't want to be bringing bad vibes and the ram beat got the whole office that we don't want to do that so i like your change of mindset it's inspired me i too am making a change today on the show so stay tuned for segment three on that i like it teamwork makes the dream work and i'm very stoked to talk hoops ram started the season with a big win over louisiana tech i have a couple articles on the site if you haven't seen that yet dove into a couple of big performances from the transfers uh, CU transfer, Neat Clifford, I think, has a chance to be a really key piece for the Rams this year. Joel Scott, former D2 player of the year, had a great debut as well. Uh, go check all that out. I'll be talking plenty of hoops this weekend. Obviously, the Rams back in action Friday night before football oh, on yeah. Saturday. So uh, a ton going on. And then a big game in Greeley next Tuesday, which I'm looking forward to as well. Um, I guess before we get into this, just what was your reaction to the performance up in Laramie uh, the game kind of right there for the taking you're down three points in the third quarter you have a pair of really untimely interceptions which results in 14 yeah. points the other way that's basically game over Rams lose another trophy game now one in 19 in their last 20 trophy games going back to the start of 2016 I have not had a lot of fun in these games uh, covering them yeah um, it was a bummer I thought valiant effort from the defense to even keep them in it because for, I mean, the first three quarters, it kind of felt done and dusted. And then you get some hope there uh, going into the fourth overall, though, really finding that offensive identity still dooming this team a bit. Uh, BFN has ultimately shown himself to be a freshman to still have to go through some growing pains. It was funny, I inserted myself into a conversation with uh, Lindsay, our head of sales and in-house Ram and, you know, superstar at DMVR behind the scenes. And uh, a guy, you maybe have heard of him, Joe Sackick, 
who um, Joe, not a huge college football fan, though we found out a Bama fan because his daughter went to Bama. That was his first exposure to a live game. Um, so you've got that in common with him, Justin. But he had obviously seen the showdown, hadn't seen the Rams before or since. He expected after watching the showdown that the Rams would have been dominating uh, in conference play. He expected them to be the top team. So Lindsay and I have to kind of explain, no, it hasn't quite gone that way. Oh, yeah, that, that breaks my heart. Just letting Super Joe down. I know, I know. Eight, eight weeks later, too. Like, ah, I'm, I'm sorry, Super Joe hasn't gone as your uh, expert I may have thought. Um, and that identity that we felt like, man, they were really carving up the buffs for large stretches of that game. They're finding big plays. You saw that again against Middle Tennessee. And that rhythm hasn't been there. That identity hasn't been there. And it's this offensive identity is tied into an offensive rhythm, right? Like if if you can't, if you can't get first downs and you can't get up tempo, you're going to struggle. That intermediate game hasn't been there outside of the fourth quarter comeback against Boise, right? And even then, it's not sustained offensive rhythm. It's like lightning in a bottle in those final, what, three drives. So I think that's ultimately what's what's got them. And I mean, look, I don't, I don't know that we've talked about it enough, but Torrey Horton's injury is massive for this offense and massive to everything we just talked about, offensive identity, manufacturing big plays, and I've talked about for months. You don't have Torrey. This, this whole team, this whole offense has changed uh, greatly, especially when you don't have your A game on the ground game. Yeah, it's it's been tough, and they've been dinged up. I mean, and on top of Torrey Horton... In this past game, you're missing Cam Baratow, who's a huge part of your success in the interior. Great run stuffer, a guy that just eats double teams constantly and allows some of those guys along the edge to have some success. You're also missing Chigoze Anusium, your top corner. You've got a true freshman making his first career start at corner, TJ Crandall. I think he started at nickel earlier, but he had a, a really up and down game, which freshmen do again, you know, that's going to be part of it. He's had some great moments this year. He's going to be really, really good. He also had a moment where he got caught peeking in the backfield and gave up a touchdown as a result. So, I mean, it's just been a roller coaster. I I think you nailed it right on the head in terms of the offensive inconsistency, not being able to establish any type of, of just sustained success and, it's been frustrating because when the offense was firing earlier in the season, the defense was struggling. I, I actually think the defense as a whole has played pretty well these past couple of weeks, despite the three-game losing streak, playing a, against some pretty good teams. And, and now the offense is struggling. So it, it's all got to come down to these last three games. The schedule does lighten up a little bit. Yeah, I will say, while I do think the Rams have more talent than these teams, given how up and down CSU has been, it's hard to confidently say you know they're gonna run the table they're gonna figure it out here these last few weeks it's yeah. not like they're playing Greeley or something like that a lot of these teams are pretty comparable so it's gonna be interesting but I think the big key is figuring out some of these third quarter woes because they have been outscored 37-0 in the third quarter in this three-game losing streak they've been outscored 51 to 10 in the third quarter since the start of conference play they Insane. scored 10 points against Boise State They've been shut out in every other third quarter in conference play. And it's just putting them in these brutal spots where you're constantly having to play from behind. A lot of the time it's been tied or they've even been up at halftime. Then they kind of blow it in that third quarter. 
So I, I don't know why it's been such a boogeyman for them, but it's been brutal. I'd love to hear your read on that. To me, it's ultimately kind of a symptom of where this program's been for, you know, post, uh, post McElwain, right? And it's uh, getting out of those losing habits. I know this is a good coaching staff. I know they're making the adjustments. It's just hard sometimes to implement that. It's hard sometimes when you know you've got the game in your grasp to be able and go into the third and really show up. And it's been, I mean, it's been huge. It's been huge. You know, UNLV is going to be one of those games that haunts you like the showdown and Utah state, they were right there. They're right there with Utah state third quarter comes wide open. Yeah. Broke open in a hurry, but it was, I mean, it was 17 zero in favor of CSU at one point in that game. So it's, <laughs> yeah. hard it's to been just a really weird year. I do think that, the conference is better this year as a whole. A lot of these teams that CSU played this year that they played last year are improved. And that's going to be the, the case the down the stretch too. Hawaii and Nevada are both better than they were a year ago. So it's right. it's going to be tough. They've, they've got to figure it out. I think part of maybe the third quarter was is just the fact that these defenses are kind of getting a read on a young quarterback and they're, they're testing him, just disguising coverages at times. And, we saw that with the second interception, just never saw the linebacker drifting back across the middle. And it's going to be that way. This season was not supposed to be a year in which you were developing a quarterback. That was not the plan. Obviously the, nope. the plan was that Millen was going to be the guy and they had to audible pretty quickly. And I, I really do think that was the right decision. I think Braden Fowler Nicolosi is, has flashed a ton of potential. He has a lot of arm talent. He plays with a, a lot of grit. I think he's, I think he's got a very bright future, but I also think that the turnovers have been a major, major problem in, in their struggles this season. And that's unfortunate. And it is something that I'm curious to see what happens over these final three weeks. If you win, you have a chance to really do something fun. If you can win out here and, and get a bowl, I think that would just earn so much good faith with the fan base, get everybody yeah. excited again after yeah. this really tough stretch. If you lose, maybe maybe not the Nevada game because I still think that that one's going to be really important to this staff to win, just given the history, or at least try to win. Right. Maybe they go a true freshman Jackson Brousseau in the final game just to see what they have. That wouldn't be indicative of you're moving on from Braden Fowler Nicolosi or anything like that. I do think those guys are going to battle it out in spring. I, I don't think it's necessarily his position set in stone. But he also has a chance really to cement himself as the the starter of the future if he can, you know, respond here down the stretch. A thousand percent. It's huge for BFN. It's huge for this offense. Um, and you're right. I mean, this wasn't supposed to have been a developmental season at quarterback. And I think, you know, around the office first few weeks into the season when BFN uh, kind of emerged, there were some murmurs of like, man, can you believe this kid wasn't starting to start the year because he looked that good? Now, as the seasons progress, we're, we're seeing a little more why he wasn't starting, right? And where he needs to be a little more decisive in his decisions and where he needs to be cleaner in his reads and what have you, you know? Um, yeah, he's just got I mean, some things he needs to clean up. I mean, there's some things fundamentally I think he could clean up just in terms of what he does with his 
his throwing form at times, sometimes not setting his feet, dropping the ball down in the pocket, which allowed him to get stripped by Bo Richter in the Air Force game. I mean, there are little things, just growing moments. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have a lot of talent, but the decision-making at times has been a little erratic. It's also what makes him good, though, and that's where it's tough. Is I, I don't... Some turnovers, a couple of interceptions you can live with. If a quarterback doesn't throw any interceptions, that worries me too, because that means you're not you're not giving your guys a chance. And when you have as much talent as the Rams do out wide, there's some balls you got to throw up. And I think the the Utah State interception in the end zone that Ike Larson pulled away from Torrey Horton is a great example of that. That's a ball where you just throw it up. You expect your guy to make that play. He's going to make it nine times out of ten. Larson makes a great play. He's a phenomenal DB. Tip your hat to him. You move on. Right. It's the back-breaking ones. It's the bad, you know, the, the first interception against Wyoming where you're just forcing a ball on third down. You got to live to fight another day, not give them the ball and, and, you know, plus position. Yeah. I mean, it's all growing pains. I think the off script stuff, the stuff on the move, he could, he could be a little better at a little more decisive. You know, I really hope they don't even mess around. I hope they just stick with BFN. Um, Developing this offense is just complete paramount. And it's developing it around him, around the, the starters on the O-line that'll be back, around the young wide receivers that you'll have to rely on. And, you know, defensively, it's who else is there beyond uh, Kamara? You know, the Air Force performance was just amazing for, um, remind me, the freshman who was like your Blake Howe player of the first half. Um, oh, yeah, yeah uh, Newer Gatkuth. Newer Gatkuth. Just incredible. The young secondary, you know, they they get some some more reps under them. This could be a really huge final three games, and then you'd be in a bowl if things all go right, and uh, and that would be the ultimate boost as well. So it really sets up in a major way. How are you feeling going into San Diego State, man? Because they're a tough team to decipher. I really don't know what to expect, to be honest. This yeah. is a team that has been very successful now for the last 15 years. They're trying to avoid their first losing season since 09. They just, even when they're not great, they still win seven, eight games. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously their record is unimpressive. They've lost six of their last seven. Being fair to them, they had played a tough schedule, UCLA, Oregon, Air Force, Boise State. It's not like it's been a cakewalk schedule for them, but... I mean, they lost in double overtime to Utah State. They had to make a big comeback to even force overtime. It wasn't like they were up and blew it. Um, they struggled with Hawaii, got shut out by Nevada. They're just, they're a tough read. And I do think defensively, they're not quite as stout as we're used to seeing. They still got some guys, especially in that front seven, that are going to make some plays. And uh, Zyrus Fiaseu leads the team in tackles, tackles for loss and sacks. He has four sacks over the last two weeks. You had to keep an eye on him. Uh, Barfield in the secondary, he's a guy with three picks this year. Yeah. So you got to keep an eye on him. Um, but I think this is a game where if you score some points and you put pressure on San Diego State to have to attack you with that passing offense, make Jalen Maiden really prove that he can beat you consistently with that arm. He's a converted safety. This is a game you should win at home. And I think it, it makes a lot of sense that you see the Rams favored by three and a half, four points. And, in some spots just because I mean when you look at the talent gap in terms of the skill positions it's not close 
and the multiplicity of the two offenses. You know, I mean, San Diego State is very one-dimensional, and it's exactly as you mentioned. If you get them playing from behind, they're really going to struggle. They are really going to be in a tough spot having to play from behind because they just don't have the offense to get out of it. So it's it's those grinded out games where it's under 40 points that SDSU is going to have a chance. Otherwise, the Rams should prevail, and that's where you'd expect the defense to cook and pin, pin their ears back. It's going to be a huge test for the defensive and offensive line. We've praised the offensive line and their improvements a lot. Well, this is a game to really show up and do that and defensively we know the upside and the talent of the defensive line is incredible they've played up to it sometimes like when they took over the game against metal tennessee they haven't always played up to it other times this is one where you got to pin your ears back you got to come get it you got to rush eight nine guys just about every play and force san diego state to beat you in ways they haven't been able to beat anyone else the rest of the season Outside of their win against Ohio week one, uh, San Diego State. Ohio had their backup QB, too. Right, right. The starter gets injured. But Ohio is 8-3, and three, I believe. Or, you know, their record's nice. Yeah, they are a good team. San Diego State's looked very beatable. Very beatable. Now, this Rams team has also shown us that they, they can... They, they can, can be hang with at times too. Right. They can hang with just about anyone and they can get beat by just about anyone. So it's uh it's two teams that probably haven't quite played up to their talent this season. And it's a bit of a prove it game. I think it was Taylor in the chat um earlier who was saying it's it's about as close to a must win without being an actual must win. I mean, I think it is a must win considering yes. Yes. bowl eligibility is on the line. It's not so dramatic in a sense that if you lose this game, everything that you you feel about the growth of the program goes out the window or anything like that, it would be disappointing. But I, I do think this is a must win. You, you've lost three in a row. Your backs are against the wall. You've got three teams that are tough. None of them are. I mean, no conference game is going to be a cakewalk. Right. But you've got to you got to stand up and execute at some point and. I just think this team has too much talent to miss a bowl, especially with the improvement with the offensive line. If you would have told me the O-line would be as good as they are after what we saw last year, I would have thought CSU, if you told me that in the summer, I'd be like, oh, are they in the conference championship contention? Like, my God, right. the O-line's been great. You've got a top 10 passing offense statistically in the country. It's just the inconsistencies. Like we said, we don't want to beat a, a dead horse here. Um, we do have a question from Charlie that I didn't. I don't want to ignore. With the young BFN, is there something to be said about the defenses noticing our offensive schemes? Seems as time has gone on, they almost know our plays. I think it has more to do with the offense being beat up. Um, I think at times the defenses have done a good job of confusing BFN with their coverages, and that's what's going to happen when you have a freshman quarterback. Yeah. That's not an indictment on him or anything like that. I, I think more than anything, though, it's just been being beat up and, and not really being able to, to get in a rhythm. And the thing about the error rate is it's not all that complicated. Like you nope. kind of do a lot of the same things over and over again. So it is predictable to a degree, simplicity, but it's an execution offense. Right. Simplicity is really the key to the offense. It's not, they're not getting you with anything crazy. They're just out executing you to death I do think a little more specific schematically a theme for this Rams offense is I don't think they've been consistently able to beat zone 
coverage, right? Um, man coverage, they've got that covered, and that's what the offense is really designed to beat up on. Zone coverage, reading those, uh, you know, always being on top of his stuff has been the timing, finding those pockets within the zone. That's something that I think um, BFN is going to have to, uh, you know, just get more comfortable with and evolve his game. Got one more comment from Taylor here. I wonder if they'll bring back the pistol formation. I've I've mentioned that a couple of times now mm-hmm. after the, the post-game shows. It's just that it, it was something that they incorporated more out of an homage to Nevada, which had always run the pistol offense. It was kind of one of those things you just didn't want to like throw out the history. But they found that with those vertical passing concepts being the, the primary focus of the offense, being out of the pistol allowed them to more consistently run the ball with some success. Yeah. So I was a little surprised they went away from it this year. I imagine they probably have some more variety out of the passing offense by going out of the traditional, you know, shotgun. But I, I do wonder at maybe if, even if you just mix it in at times, it doesn't necessarily have to be a full-time change. Moro's been in that. Uh, you had BFN in that last year. So it's not like it would be completely foreign to him. I'd be a fan of it. I do think, as you mentioned in the comment, it, it could potentially just open up some things, especially with some of those stretch runs, which Moro, I mean, he has the speed to get to the outside. Be a nice wrinkle to see thrown out there. Um, I do think you you could diversify a bit right now. Agreed. All right. Um, we're going to move on. We're going to give some conference predictions. We're going to give our picks for the college football playoff. Uh, of course, we'll do our Mountain West picks and power rankings as well. So we're not completely done here. I, I do want to shout out the homies at Saturday Neon. Yeah, Saturday Neon is a local company who started by college roommates. They make officially licensed collegiate logo LED neon signs. These things are sick. They light up in your colors. They're easy to install and operate. Uh, they're made with high-quality materials, and they're backed by two-year warranty, which is is always nice for something... Uh, really unique like this, great for offices, man caves. We obviously have a couple of them in the bar. Go to SaturdayNeon.com, use the code DNVR for 10% off your order today. Free shipping for orders over $200. I also want to talk to you guys about a really fun opportunity coming up, the Circa Broncos road trip Yeah, out in Vegas. You can get 20% off a two-night stay at the Circa Resort and Casino, two tickets to the Winter Swim concert, two passes to Stadium Swim, Access to the DNVR tailgate and watch party at Stadium Swim, which is going to be off the hook. Uh, there's actually an option to buy the game ticket if you want to go in person. This is going to be awesome, Dre. I know yeah. you have not, unfortunately, been able to be at Circa yet. But it, as uh, as somebody who went there only once, I can't wait to get back. This place is it's I living mean, large. I mean, the Stadium Swim looks like an absolutely legendary setup. And on top of that, the package also includes an annual pass. Um, oh, yeah, know, I understood. Diehard membership. It's for that early January weekend where the Broncos take on the Raiders. We'll be there. The Broncos guys will be there, Todd Davis included, doing a pod, covering the game. You name it. Um, both Broncos and Raiders suddenly a little frisky. But even if they aren't, and it just turns out both teams suck by the time we get to early January, what a dope trip right after New Year's in Vegas with all that going on. Just all-timer, 
all-timer. So check that out on the website. Um, lots of info. Reach out if you guys have any questions. That's going to be dope, though. Also, uh, you can use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your stay at the Circa Resort and Casino anytime. Also, download the app at CircaSports.com. Circa Sports bets can be made only while physically located in the state of Colorado and must be 21 or older. All rights reserved. Circa Sports Colorado encourages you to gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER or visit problemgamblingcolorado.org. Hopefully my voice isn't too hoarse here. Apologies, guys. Uh, if you missed the beginning, we're remote today because I'm a little under the weather. But we got a, a ton of stuff coming up, so we got to talk about it. Uh, before we get into these conference predictions, the playoff picks, one more question here from Charlie. And I mean, you guys can keep posting questions. I'll respond to as many as I can. But uh, any update on Tori Chiggy Morrow, Cam Healthwise? I was not at practice yesterday because I'm sick. I don't want to expose the team right before a big game, uh, but I'll reach out and post a update on Twitter. I, Tori's going to play. Uh, Norvell said that earlier this week. I mean, he'll he'll always find a way to play. I, I kind of expect Chiggy to be back as well, but again, we shall see. Uh, Barrett has a guy I don't have an update on. I know he missed practice all last week, so hopefully uh, he's back. Um, as far as Dallin seeing more targets for being a Mackie finalist, it's great that he is one of the nine finalists. Big deal. Only G5 player on there. At the same time, they just got to win. I do think that getting him the ball could benefit you and help you win games. So I think those yeah. things could really, you know, kind of line up. But I don't think you force feed him targets solely for the, the purpose of trying to win the award. I mean, as cool as it was to see Trey McBride win the Mackey, and it was really special for a guy who was just really talented and in a really tough year. I think Trey would tell you he would trade that award in a heartbeat for a bowl appearance. Yeah, no doubt. And I also, you got to be careful force feeding uh, Dallin because I feel like they have done that a bit in some of these second halves once Tori's gone out and it hasn't always worked out the best. So um, you got to put really struggled with some of those zone situations in the middle of the field. Actually, that's where a lot of the turnovers have come from. Um, yeah. Lots of great I think more than anything, we got to get these receivers involved. Exactly. Get you know Justice Ross Simmons, Lewis Brown, both these guys have popped. I'd like to see a game where they both go off. It would be outstanding. I mean, you have that talent. You need to kind of utilize it. the The talent of this receiving core is really in its depth. Um, so you got to see that. All right, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this because we talk about these quite a bit on the draft pod, but. I did think it would be kind of fun, especially for those who aren't necessarily as locked in with that part of our content to go through the conferences, give who we think are going to be in the title game, give who we think is going to ultimately win those conferences and then give our picks for the college football playoff. This is how we feel this week. Obviously, there's big games coming up. This all changes really quickly. This might be something we revisit again in two weeks, especially if and knock on wood, I hope this doesn't happen. But if CSU misses out on bowl eligibility or something, obviously those those games just feel a little less big, but we'll be focusing on plenty of basketball too. Um, let's start with the SEC, which I think early in the year, people were kind of poo-pooing it. It's down, this and that. Now I think Georgia and Alabama are clearly two of the best teams in the country, two of the yeah. top title contenders. Georgia only needs one more win to take the East. That feels inevitable. Yeah. Bama takes the West with a win or an Ole Miss loss, which could come this weekend. 
do you see anybody other than Bama and the Georgia Bulldogs in that SEC title game? No, I think last week really decided both of those. You know, Missouri was the outside shot in the East. LSU would have been the outside shot in the West to kind of create a fun three-way tie. That did not work out. It seems like Georgia and Bama destined to duke it out. And potentially, if neither suffers a loss before they get to the title game, both kind of having a semi-guarantee that they're in the playoff as well, which would be crazy in a year like this for the SEC. That's where it gets really interesting, is especially with some of these other teams, I guess, and that's where it could get very chaotic. Um, what's your gut say in terms of who would win that game right now? Because I'm rolling with Bama. I think it's Bama. I don't think Georgia's that great this year. Um, but I, I think the offense deceptively has kind of come alive down the stretch here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've certainly got talent. I just don't think they're 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 not this team that can just bulldoze you and take care of you. Bama, I mean, the improvements they've made on the O-line is outstanding. Defensively, they're really looking better than they have in a few seasons. And, uh, you know, Milrose got that offense working. Uh, They're not necessarily one-dimensional because he's got that deep ball to it. So they're they're a tough offense, and I honestly, I think I believe in him more than I do the Georgia offense and Carson Beck. His ability to create off script is such a game changer, and the fact that they're executing on those first and second down situations now is huge. I do still think there are situations where he's somewhat limited as a passer, and maybe that that can hurt you, but he's been a lot better over this last month. They were great on third down this past weekend, which was huge. I, I just think they're playing really good football after an ugly start, man. I, the, the South Florida game was way more concerning than yeah. the Texas loss, but they, they figured it out. Kudos to Nick Saban. Uh, moving to the Big Ten, East is likely determined by Michigan versus Ohio State, though some stuff could get weird there if Michigan drops another game outside of that. Uh, everyone in the West still in it. Iowa, the the front runner. Amazing. But that I, I, there's so many different scenarios. I was trying to take notes on it. I I, I don't even feel confident in being able to explain it yeah. confidently, but uh, or competently, I should say. But I've got Michigan versus Iowa in the Big Ten title game because I think Iowa, as flawed as they are offensively, the defense should ha- handle things down the stretch. And I just think Michigan's better than Ohio State, though that's hard to quantify given the fact that they literally have not played anyone all year. Yeah, Michigan's got everything in front of them where they need to take care of business against Penn State and then Ohio State, really. Um, and yeah, I mean, the West is just hilarious. I I think Iowa comes out of it in the most Iowa way possible. And Michigan rides this wave of nobody believes it us. Everyone's against us. It's just Harbaugh's wheelhouse to a T. So that'll work out. Big Ten's got to get rid of the divisional format, which I believe they are with the expansion for the title game, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, Big 12, which has gotten really murky now that Oklahoma has lost back-to-back games, and I don't think that's shocking. They were playing above their heads for a little bit. They're still a good team, but I do think that the the rivalry factor was huge in their win over Texas. Um, Longhorns, if they go 2-1, and one, they're in Oklahoma State can get in if they win out after their big win over OU. Also have a big win over Kansas. I've got Texas and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd love to still believe in Kansas State, right? But after after that loss last week, that's going to be hard for them to pull Not off mathematically here. eliminated, but they, yeah, they need like a bunch of teams to lose on top of winning out. Yeah. And they need to play Kansas. I mean, Kansas state, Kansas, OU, all lurking, honestly, Iowa state and West Virginia as well. But, uh, yeah, Texas seems like the easy one, especially after escaping that scare and Oklahoma state has a really nice schedule with, uh, the three new additions to the big 12 all remaining. So yeah, give me, the Cowboys against the Longhorns. And I don't know that the Longhorns are guaranteeing that one. That's such a Mike Gundy spot. If I've ever seen one, I mean, yeah. the, the guy is such a dork, but you, you do have to credit the way that they're able to always be relevant. I also do think they have a bit of a ceiling under him, but it's one of those is with the grass be greener with someone else. I don't know. Uh, ACC, Florida State, Knowles are 7-0 and in league play. They already have a spot locked up in that title game. Louisville, if they win out, they can get in. Uh, they can also probably get in with one loss after the position that they put themselves in. That's why I've got an ACC title game with Florida State advancing. Yeah. UNC, the one team with the talent who I could see lurking and kind of run the table. Louisville, only two conference games remaining one against lowly Virginia, um, as long as they can, you know, win against Miami. And as you mentioned, two losses might still get them in. That seems like the safe play there. Knowles could really disrupt just about everything because, you know, Texas is lurking, two SEC, two Big Ten teams lurking. But if the Knowles stay perfect, there's no way you get them out. And that would disrupt the 14 playoff quite nicely. I think you skipped the Pac-12. Yeah, I I I was just going to do the Pac-12 and Mountain West last. I know I did it different on the notes, but um Huskies have won two or they need to win two out of the the final three. Oregon is in if they win out, but they still got USC and Oregon State, so that's going to be tough. Utah and USC are still in the mix too, funny enough as weird as yeah. it's been, they would both need to win out. I've got Washington and Oregon, though. I just think they're the best two teams, and I think Washington survives the the ugly stretch, though that defense of late has me a little bit concerned. I, I've got Oregon beating Washington in the rematch. I just think they're playing the best football in the league right now. This is the one that feels wide open. I think Arizona might be one of the hottest teams in the entire country. Utah takes on Washington. That could be a classic upset spot. And then there's the, uh, you know, the the Civil War in Oregon State. And I think I think the Beavers match up really nicely. You know that Oregon State team's six points away from being undefeated. They have two losses. I'll go different and say it's Arizona against Oregon State. Oh, I love that. That would be amazing. I, but Washington getting two losses to make that happen would be hard, but they do play Utah and Oregon State. No, it's it's certainly on the table. And Utah, I think, is the team to, to keep an eye on. It's just the quarterback situation that has yeah. me hesitant. If not, I'd probably be all in because I still think that Whittingham is the, the best coach in that conference. And what they do year after year is 
is incredible. Uh, we'll wrap up with Pac-12 the Mountain West. Does still go through Utah though, because Arizona has to play them. Washington has to play them. Those are like huge games, and Oregon State's going to have a huge say in uh, in how this all pans out. It would be the most Pac-12 te- thing ever, though, for us to talk up the conference all year, and, and then the, the conference final is two two lost teams and they miss the playoff. That feels inevitable. That's as Pac-12 it as it gets. Like it's it's their legacy. And honestly, it's it's a bit of an issue for the Mountain West as well, where you have so much parity that you aren't able to get the two lane that goes undefeated, and then you miss out on the New Year's Six opportunities. No, uh, yeah. no New Year's Six appearances for the Mountain West since 2014. Now, that was when they had three 10 win teams: Boise State, Air Force, and CSU. Boise ultimately ended up getting out of that. Uh, ever the Mountain West is still pretty wide open. Uh, the Falcons, yeah. with a, a deceptively tough schedule to close, they go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Then they've got UNLV and Boise still, so that could get murky. The Fresno State, they have to go to San Jose State this weekend, who might be the hottest team in the conference at the moment. Then they close with New Mexico and San Diego State, which is huge. But that, Wyoming, that loss to Wyoming they had earlier in the year is still lurking. I went chalk and went Air Force, Fresno State. I think Fresno, so long as they don't lose another game on top of San Jose State are, are still going to have a pretty good chance to get in, even as a two-loss yeah. team. And Air Force, even with that tough schedule, I just don't see them losing more than one game down the stretch here. Fresno's the lock. Air Force, I think, will lose one of their last three. But I think they get in just because UNLV's schedule is awful. Wyoming, Air Force, San Jose State... I it's a murderer's row to finish the year. Yeah. Which they, they, yeah. If they somehow <laughs> run the table, a rank, you know, then UNLV, a ranked UNLV, should be on the table, which would be just an incredible story. But if they run the table, they would get in ahead of Air Force. I think. I, I think, think they would be too. Fresno, UNLV. So uh, that'll be really fun. That game next week will be lots of fun to talk about. What does your gut say as far as college football playoff teams go? And Technically, you should we should be giving this a lot more thought in terms of like, well, if this plays out, then this happens and this happens. But I'm I'm going Michigan coming out of the Big Ten. Bama comes out of the SEC. The question to me is, does Georgia also come out of the yeah. SEC? And if they run the table, there's a pretty good chance they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, I've got Michigan, Bama, Florida State running the table, winning the ACC. And then it comes down to if Oregon can run the table, I think they could get in over Georgia. But if not, probably looking at two SEC teams with Bama and Georgia, which would just piss off everyone. I think Bama runs the table. I think Michigan runs the table. I think FSU runs the table. Um, I think Georgia could find a loss in the regular season before they get to the SEC title. And then that would be their second loss. And that could knock them out. So I actually am going to throw Oregon State, uh, I'm sorry, Ohio State in as my fourth team. It's been ugly, but I think Ohio State gets to that Michigan game undefeated and they get in as a non-conference champion over other conference champions that have suffered two losses. Um, Or, yeah, and see, that's where the Washington, I think, can get to the the end of the regular season with one L, 
I don't know if they've got it in the Pac-12 title. I think they'll be going against a team that's maybe hotter at that point. So, so we'll see. But a one loss conference winner like a Texas, like a Washington would be very intriguing, like an Oregon, as you're mentioning. Um, I think those would get in ahead of Ohio State. I just don't. I think this is how it plays out. And Ohio State gets in. It just feels inevitable after it yeah. feeling wide open the entire season, having so much parity, so much fun between all these different leagues, the Pac-12 being so good and having this last hurrah. But college football is going to college football at the end of the day. And uh, we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to get into our Mountain West power rankings, fly through them. I get through our picks. But when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker, they're here to help. They've been winning for Colorado families. For more than 25 years, they're free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. They've already won over a billion dollars to their clients. And they have uh, more locations than ever serving all of Colorado. They've got neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. They have the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Bax and Schenker helps all kinds of injury cases where you weren't at fault. Car accident, motorcycle, ride, chair, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Bax and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. Also, big, big love to my friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. They make any situation better. I felt like crap all week, but I I did have an avalanche ale last night, and it kind of made me fall asleep on the couch, which was awesome. I know I just sounded a million years old there, but I don't care. I, I don't care at all. (laughs) <laughs> I was you know, watching the basketball. It's been a long week. Breck makes any situation better. They've been doing it for 33 years. It all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. I really cannot say enough good things about Breckenridge Brewery. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com to find a brew near you. And I pick up some Breck Broncos country and keep those Broncos vibes going. I I know that it was probably bad in terms of a momentum standpoint to have a bye after such a big win over the Chiefs, but I also didn't mind sitting with a win over the Chiefs for two weeks, to be honest, after eight long years. I'm keeping those Broncos vibes as high as I can for as long yeah. as I can. Much like CSU, I'm going to be optimistic until I absolutely have no other choice. That doesn't mean that we ignore what's right in front of our faces. You still be realistic. But it's looking at it through a, a glass half full lens and not glass half empty. The sky is falling, which is very easy to do when you're riding a three game losing streak and one in yeah. 19 in your last 20 trophy games. And uh, it's been tough. It's, it's been tough. But let's get into our power rankings or my power rankings, I should say. Drake can tell me if he agrees or disagrees with me. We'll start at the bottom, we'll work our way to the top. I've got Hawaii at 12, followed by New Mexico. New Mexico just got absolutely rolled by UNLV. It's not looking good for my guy, Danny Gonzalez. Then I've got San Diego State and Nevada. Any issues with the bottom four here? So Hawaii's coming off that surprising win. Why, why four spots behind Nevada? Who they just beat? It's an oversight on my part. and. Uh, had too much cough medicine this week, so yeah. Oh no! Oh, no. Now the now the now the whole integrity of the power rankings are screwed. Um, I mean, yeah. Hawaii's been hard to move from the bottom, but 
this last week. No, on they the should road. at least New Mexico should does. be on the bottom after this past week, and and I, I should give Hawaii the the credit for the win. I honestly forgot that happened. It was such a long weekend against Wyoming, but uh, not great. My bad, Hawaii. I've talked you up all year long. It's fitting that when you finally get a win, yeah, I'm the guys. one that misses it. <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed. I've got CSU at eight, Boise State at seven, Utah State at six. I don't know what to do with any of these teams. I think Boise State is probably the best on paper, but with GNT's injury situation, I don't know what to do with it. Their best receiver, McAllister, just left the program. Kind of some turmoil with Avalos. I mean, Getting to a bowl game is not a guarantee for Boise at this point. They're four and five. They've got to go two and one, but they've got a pretty tough schedule down the stretch. CSU, I have no idea what to do with them at this point. I think you could, if you wanted to make an argument that they deserve to be as low as like 10. And I also think you could say that they could be in that five, six range, depending on how you you sell it. I've got them at eight right there in the middle. Again, these three all, all right in line with each other. Yeah, I mean, you could even add five and six. This is kind of the group of like, man, any given Saturday, CSU, Boise, San Jose, Utah State, they might really surprise you and pull out a big game. You know, I mean, Boise hung with FSU and um, CSU's obviously had some moments and San Jose State's been like that, as has Utah State. And then there are other times where you just scratch your head and you're like, I'm, I'm not sure about this one. Uh, San Jose State, I've got at five. They play Fresno State this weekend in a huge game. San Jose State, if they went out, could actually get in the the Mountain West Championship game. They've got Fresno, San Diego State, UNLV. It's a long shot, but it doesn't feel impossible either with the way that this offense has been rolling of late. Um, Yeah. 35-0 win over Hawaii in their last game. They put 42 on the board, 52 before that. They're, they've got some some potency and they've got some speed out wide. So they're they're a team to keep an eye on. Uh, I've got Battle Wyoming. Tested. Go ahead, sorry. Battle tested as well. San Jose State playing their best best football in November, and uh, they're going to be frisky. Nice. The one good thing about the Rams schedule is not having them on the schedule. Thank God. At least we don't have to play all the good teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got Wyoming at four, UNLV at three. UNLV throttled New Mexico this past weekend. Yeah. I think you could make an argument that Wyoming deserves it. I mean, they won the rivalry game, but still two weeks removed from that game against Boise State and the way that CSU kind of, I mean, just kind of beat themselves with turnovers and missed execution in that third quarter. I think UNLV, what they've done over the last month is more impressive and they deserve to be in that top three, at least for now. Like we said, they've got a murderer's row to finish, which could knock them down a peg. I do too. UNLV has been amazing. And you're going to see them against a lot of these top five teams in these final three weeks. So they, this might be the highest they're going to get on the power ranking. But I think at this point, that's where they deserve to be. Top two. Still have Air Force One after last week. I really struggled with this. I went back and forth because Fresno coming off a big win over Boise State, Air Force coming off of their worst performance of the season, really just self-imploded against Navy. They do it once a year. They never seem to do it against CSU for some reason. It tends to be in these service academy games or like a really innocuous conference matchup. Like if they played 
San Jose State at this stage of the season versus when they played them in September. I, I really think that game could go differently. But they're still undefeated in Mountain West play. They really haven't even been pushed that much in Mountain West play. And as much as I like Fresno State, I still think I still think Air Force has been the most consistent within the conference play. We saw it coming with the Falcons, man. We saw it coming. We predicted it with like the Navy game. We thought CSU would be frisky. There were other times we thought, you know, we've said it. Like this is what you see from these Air Force teams. They they're like ranked in the 20s and everyone gets excited. And then comes that week. And we didn't see it with the army week because this is like as down bad an army team as we've seen in several, several years. And yet credit to them, man. What a performance. Never thought I'd see that Air Force offense just be held to three points like that. But, you know, styles make fights. And that was just like the wrestler found the other wrestler. And it was a tough day on the mat for four quarters. It was just like, ah, shit. And there's um, so much behind the scenes in that matchup that's just so hard to quantify yeah, yeah. in terms of it, it means so much to those cadets that right. I don't know, really, other, other than taking the over, the under, from a betting perspective, it, it, it's just like one of those, I would recommend you stay away because it's always going to be frisky. They know each other so well. They are willing to break their legs out on the field to potentially win that game. That's what it it means to them. It's just... It's great. It's one of the most fun rivalries in college football, but unfortunate for Air Force because that probably kills their shot at a New Year's Six bid. Although if they run the table and win the Mountain West, get a Tulane loss, the playoff committee really likes Tulane for yeah. hanging with Ole Miss, I guess. But I, we'll have to see. Uh, uh, that's where we're at. Again, Hawaii should be higher in the power rankings. I'll, I'll admit it when I mess up. I just straight up messed up on that. Um, Shout out to my guy, Tim, in the comment section and Joey B. Appreciate the love. Appreciate everybody for consistently tuning yeah. in. I know it's been frustrating season at times. It's been a frustrating decade at times to be a CSU fan, but you just, you guys stick with it. And they do have a, they do have a, a coaching staff to believe in that represent the program the right way on and off the field, which is, it's a big deal. I, I know that, it doesn't change how we feel after you lose to Wyoming again, driving back from Laramie the fourth consecutive time. I've had to make that brutal trip back after a game that makes you feel sick to your stomach, but just how it goes sometimes as a college football fan. And at the end of the day, they could turn around and win these final three and that will feel like it was forever ago. So it's just, that'd you got to ride massive. the highs and the lows. Yeah. That'd be massive, man. God, I hope so. All right, let's get into the uh, the picks here before we get out of here. Uh, UNLV, five-and-a-half-point favorites. When I filled this out, uh, these spreads may have updated since then. They're always moving, but UNLV, five-and-a-half-point favorites against Wyoming at home in Vegas. This is a big prove-it game for the Rebels. It's also, one if Wyoming can win, it puts them right back in the, the conference championship contention i'm going with unlv i think their offense is for real and defensively i think they can do enough to really test wyoming they're more consistent they're at home um they just play better complementary football i think five and a half is too rich though give me wyoming um 
and I hate to say it, I hate to say it, I would love nothing more than to see UNLV um, go on a run in these last three games and really make some noise. I just don't think they've quite graduated to be able to beat teams like Wyoming that that have um, kind of taken their their game to the next level and been a consistent contender the last five years in the conference. UNLV needs to get that, and I don't know that they've earned it. So on principle alone, give me Wyoming plus five and a half. I respect it. I also want to shout out our guy Yaya, producer behind the scenes for running it's this great. show seamlessly. Graphic looks incredible. Much love, yeah. buddy. I always appreciate you, especially getting up early. It's not easy, I know. Uh, Utah State, 16-point favorites against Nevada. Pretty big spread for a Nevada team that's at least been frisky over the last month here. Um, ugh, give me Nevada to cover the spread, but I, I think yeah. Utah State wins. But I, I, I could see very easily where this game gets out of hand just with the explosiveness that Utah State has. If Nevada turns the ball over, it could definitely get ugly pretty quickly. Yeah. They do have a, a bit of an identity where they run the football. Brennan Lewis has played okay. I, I think Nevada can hang within 14, 15 points. Yeah, Utah State's so inconsistent. Nevada coming off that embarrassing loss. I think they get a bounce back and they keep this close-ish. 16 is a well-set line, but just barely I'll take Nevada. All right, we've got Boise State. Huge favorites over UNM, 25.5 point favorites over the Lobos. I don't know, man. I, I like Mexico to cover this. I just yeah. Boise State has not been impressive. They're coming off of a really disheartening loss. Their best receiver just left the program. We don't know if GNT is going to play again. Right. Tough spot. And even if GNT plays, they're not going to ride them hard against New Mexico. This is one like, get me a three touchdown win and get out of there. 25 and a half. Just a smidge too rich. Give me New Mexico to hang-ish on the road. I like it too. Again, I'm not saying they're going to pull the upset or anything like that, but New Mexico can run the ball a little bit. Offense is not their issue. Defensively, they're a bit of a mess, but Boise State's been a bit up and down offensively too. So I, I think this is one they can match up with and at least hang around. CSU three and a half point favorites against San Diego State. I'm guessing this was the big tease earlier where you said you're going to do something different. Yeah, no more fading. No more giving out official picks with the wink-wink. It hasn't worked out for us the last couple weeks. So, come on, let's ride with the Rams. They've got the more multiple offense. They've got the defense to stop San Diego State. It's at home. These kids want it. This home crowd wants it. Everything lines up for a big win for the Rams, kind of a, a statement win. So, yeah, no more talking myself into the opponent and figuring out a way um, San Diego state is garbage and the Rams will prove and kind of show some maturity and taking care of a team. They are absolutely better than this is a big vindication moment for me. I've said all year that CSU has talent. This is a team that should be in the mix. They should finish in, in reachable. I've said all year that San Diego state, they ain't it. It's not their year. I'm not in on Brady Hoke. I think there's a decent chance he gets fired, especially if they lose this game, though, with his buyout situation. I don't know. I just think empty seats ring really loud with ADs. Rams get the win. They keep their season alive at least for another day, and they make things really interesting in the 
home season finale against Nevada before going to the island. The Rams season could come down to a game that starts at 10 p.m. Mountain Time at Hawaii in a typical CFB sicko fashion. All right, biggest game of the weekend for the conference, San Jose State, one-point home favorites against Fresno State. Vegas buys what San Jose State has done over the last month. I think they've got the best QB in the league with Chevin Cordero. I'm rocking with San Jose State. I I just think they they find a way to to win this one. The book tells you everything right here. They're the favorites at home, Um, even though record-wise they'd have no business being favorite. Um, yeah, I've been saying it for a little while. I think Fresno and you meant Tulane. You were like, oh, the, the committee loves Tulane. Yeah, they love them because they upset USC at the end of last season in a bowl. That's how this stuff works. And I think Fresno is still riding off of some of the hype from last year. This is where we market correct a little bit. San Jose State takes care of business and could really, really make things interesting in this final month in the conference. I think that's who I'm rooting for to win the league, just because I think it would be objectively hilarious to see San Jose State pull this off and get really hot and pick up the LA Bowl or something. Hey, you never know. Lastly, we've got Air Force 19 point favorites against Hawaii. Who are you going with? It's a rich spread coming off of what we saw from this past week, but I just think that Hawaii defensively stopping this Air Force offense, I have a hard time seeing that. I like Air Force to win this by three touchdowns, uh, potentially more. Give me Air Force to cover. Styles make fights. Um, Obviously, this is on the island, which is why Air Force isn't bigger favorites, but they should be like 25 and a half point favorites like Boise State. This is Hawaii is not a team built to stop Air Force, not even slightly. Air Force coming off the letdown. They're going to blow some steam on the poor Rainbow Warriors and get that done. So give me the Falcons, Air Force, all the way on this one. Classic get-right game. Hopefully it's a get-right game for the Rams as well, fighting for bowl eligibility. It's on the line for both teams. Something's got to give. I will have a post-game show Sunday, I believe at 10.30 in the morning. I will post the details out about that, though. Obviously, keep up with the site. We've got basketball Friday. We've got football Saturday, followed by basketball on Tuesday and then basketball on Friday and football on Saturday again. So all kinds of stuff coming up. I'm looking forward to it. Basketball is going to be a lot of fun. This team's revamped with some big time transfers. Uh, Dre, thank you so much for hopping on with me this morning. I know I went a little longer than I promised, but the people love you. You've gotten lots of love from the comment section today, as you should. Thank you, bro. Shout out to the people. Thanks for tuning in. Much love y'all. Stay warm out there. Always proud to be. Peace. Scummy like Martin Scarelli, turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. But water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys, like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly like not.